I don't know what the intro is. What's the intro? I don't know. What do you want the intro to be? Uh, well, we'll figure it out on the way. Uh, yeah. Good evening, everyone. And epi- welcome. Uh, see, I can't even. I don't can't even. even you I know, can't even say the name of the podcast. I think Brian, Dable, I think we... Brian Dable wrote the intro to this podcast. <laughs> right. We, we did actually decide uh, Scott was doing the 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 hosting of this podcast approximately 45 seconds ago. Not an exaggeration. I think that's actual time. Right. So I've used Paul's uh, and Frank's uh, scatting here to attempt to re-enter the uh, the introduction process. So let's all just buckle down. Here we go. Welcome to maybe next year. My name is Scott. I'm Frank. I'm Paul. And normally Frank would have a funny joke or Paul would have some sort of insight. I have neither of those. So let's just dive into another horrible Bills game that all of us watched this week, except for Frank, who doesn't have the time to watch crappy Bills games. And frankly, who does? Um, <laughs> evidently, I do. 22 to nothing was the score of the Packers game. Um, it was not a good game for the Bills because they lost. Um, it's also yes. not a good game for the Bills because they didn't play well. And with that, I will turn the, uh, the beginning of the podcast formalities over to one of my two co-hosts whose name begins with Frank. And I don't know why I'm doing Perd happily, but evidently I can't stop. So That's Frank, a- please talk. Do you know what to do with your hands? That's kind of what I want to ask. They're floating. <laughs> up in. I don't know um, what to do with my hands. Yes. So, so the, the, a little bit of the cat out of the bag here um, that I didn't watch the game this week. I was in Baltimore at the National Aquarium and the Baltimore Comic-Con where my child met a fairy queen and got to pet jellyfish, which I didn't know you could pet jellyfish, but you can because some of them have... Why did someone at Comic-Con have a jellyfish? This is a good question. And also, how did I get my comics signed at the National Aquarium? Like, this is the enduring mystery of our trip. Um, But some jellyfish have stingers so small that they can't penetrate human skin. So my daughter, with my wife's supervision, was allowed to pet jellyfish perhaps unrelated she's been sick for a whole day uh with a bad fever so i don't know i don't want to say you know a uh, post hoc ergo propter hoc but i you know maybe don't touch jellyfish um but that's what we were doing when and then we, i got in the car and I, I was in the aquarium getting updates on the wretched wretched bills game i managed to tweet a little based based on my tweet watching of the game um that you know 16 nothing at the half and they had done nothing was gross, but not, you know, not one of those things where you can't fix it and you can't just steal a game from somebody, you know, two, two scores. And of course they continued to do nothing. Um, I, I did watch the highlights. Uh, a lot of was made about how awful Josh Allen looked and I'm not going to hear, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he didn't look awful. I will say that to me, at least based on the highlights, it was a lot of, really really bad pass blocking um some pretty terrible offensive play calling i know scott or not scott paul and others were amongst the people online saying why weren't we running the football when this team the defense of the packers seems to be struggle against the football running attack um and so that was mystifying to me uh, and the, the last thing I'll say before I turn it over to Paul, who actually watched the game was, uh, this defense is terrible. They're not good. Um, they're bad and they're more injured than they were before. And I, and, and, you know, four games in, um, it's not that they have done nothing and it's not that they don't have some good people. It's that overall they're pretty bad. And that will lead me to a worry that I want to talk about later on, um, but for now, it's a bad defense again, and I don't yes. know how to fix it. Let's turn it over to Paul for his initial thoughts. Sure. I think the most important thing to take away from the podcast so far is there has been a Perd Happily reference, which means that I have to reference my favorite moment when he is giving movie reviews as part of a DVD extra. So obviously now I'm really, really digging on this. And it says... He says in his preview, like, I love this movie because basically it's the, my life story. And then it pops up. I give Blue Velvet five stars. So for those of you who've seen Blue Velvet, which is probably no one who listens to this podcast, you will know how hilarious that statement is. And that's more entertaining. 
Yes, uh, that's that's more entertaining than anything I'll have to say about this football game, which gives you an idea of, of what this game was like. So, yeah, I, I made the mistake of, of watching this game in full. I kept wanting to turn it off the two minute warning, but the you know, I had to balance the budget, which was going to take me hours after that. And I really just felt like both of these are unpleasant tasks. So I'll just the, the Bills game was slightly less unpleasant. So as far as my impressions on the game, as, as Frank pointed out, one of my big peeves was that the one consistency in the scouting reports seemed to be if you want to attack the Packers defense, you do it with the inside running game. And Chris Ivory had had some success the prior week against Minnesota. He didn't have great numbers. His yards per carry was not good, but it accomplished what needed to be accomplished. Heck, if he had run for 2.8 yards, which he averaged last week on first and second downs this week, they would have gotten into some third and fourth situations and maybe made the constant blitzing and constant pressure of Green Bay lesson, but they didn't do much to establish a running game that goes both on the execution of the team, which didn't really do particularly well when they did run the ball and also on, you know, a bad week for Brian Dayball on the play calling to put his quarterback in a position that I don't think was the best position for success. That said, we certainly can't let Josh Allen off the hook for what was, you know, it was a bad performance. There's no way around it. His receivers did not help him. His O-line was atrocious, but there were plays, in, and these were highlighted a bit on Twitter today. There was once where he just got nailed up the middle on a second down play and actually threw a decent ball that was incomplete. And then on the third down play, with a completely clean pocket, scrambled for no reason to his right, scrambled himself right into trouble, scrambled over to his left, and then threw the ball into no man's land because he had been shaken from the pressure on the prior play. And he's got to get in a, a position where he realizes, look, I'm playing behind this line. I'm going to get hit a lot when I'm back there. I have to stay in there. I have to make sure I'm delivering the ball more quickly because I can't default to making plays with my legs all the time. And I think that's how he's got to take this shutout. It's a, it's a key point in his his development. But really, there's this is one of those games where it can't be just like, if Dable had just called better plays or mm-hmm. if Allen had just thrown a few better balls or if the running game had just done a little bit more, the receivers gotten a little bit more open, like everyone failed. To me, it was complete institutional incompetence on the offensive side of the ball. Agree. I think so. I will, I will briefly posit my own... Uh, my own thoughts on the game before I turn back to Paul to talk about a little bit about the Josh Allen uh, passing totals, which are fun yes. to look at if you don't like things that are good. Um, the snort. <laughs> but I will briefly say, and I put this on Facebook, so I, it's, it's a little bit all the way out there, but I think this is the most accurate kind of representation of what the team is at this point in the season. Like the Ravens game, as we kind of said at the time, like that was borderline like unprofessional the way the Bills just completely kind of collapsed and rolled over in that game. Similarly, with the first half of the Chargers game, it was that kind of collapse and roll over, no real uh, ability to to hack like an NFL team. And then in the second half, they kind of pulled themselves into it a little bit. But again, the Chargers were not really obviously committed at that point. And then, of course, in the Minnesota game, it was – it was the you know the super happy Maggie super happy <laughs> mega scenario of Wayne's World where literally everything goes completely perfect and is completely unsustainable over the course of a sixteen game regular season. Mm-hmm. This game is probably the best uh, representation of exactly what this Bills team is this year, which I will disagree with Frank a little bit and I'll allow him a rejoinder in a moment uh, after Paul goes about the defense in the sense that the defense kind of hung in there against a pretty good Packers offense. Now, admittedly, without Randall Cobb and without one or two other, I think they had like one other key piece that they were missing, maybe alignment. But Aaron Rodgers is pretty freaking good, and we were playing in Green Bay, and the game was not over. And, you know, it was a three-score, it was a two-score game until well into the second half. So the Bills were not certainly not uh, out of it um, until... three scores game to end the game technically they lost 22 now so it was always a always a yeah. three-score game yes it's always enough. a three-score game yeah so the 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 biggest thing to me is that's that's how we won last year was the defense did enough to hang around they actually also had and again you can always kind of count like missed picks or missed turnovers you know you're gonna lose you're gonna win some you're gonna lose some but that ryan lewis pick that he almost had like that was an easy touchdown for interception against aaron Rodgers, which does not happen all that much 
So the the turn and they already and they already they already had one or two turnovers already in the game. So it it was a defensive performance that allowed if there was any kind of pulse on offense, it would have gotten through. The problem was is as Paul said, there was absolutely no pulse on offense. And I think that's the team that we have built this year is we basically jettisoned all of our offensive players who were any good at all um, through retirements or whatever and not replace them in an attempt to get Allen. And we're just going to kind of take a mulligan on offense and hope that between Allen and McCoy kind of making something out of nothing, we can do enough to hang around in these games. And somehow maybe that'll let us win, you know, six or seven games this year. And I don't think, I don't think that the coaching staff had much more than that. And again, because most teams, most games are going to be easier than playing Green Bay at Green Bay at this point. Admittedly, Green Bay is not like a world beater at 2-1-1, one, and one, but they're certainly a tough team, and Aaron Rodgers is a good quarterback. So. There is obviously, here's my rejoinder, there's obviously okay. three quarters of the season left, and I take your point, I suppose, for this game uh, well. My rejoinder is this and this alone. In the three games they've lost, they've given up 100 points. That's my rejoinder for this defense. Um, and... So we can say that perhaps I was overstating how bad they were this week, but on the whole, 106 points over four games is bad. 100 points over three games is is unconscionable. Um, and so they're bad. And I, I guess I'll, I'll unleash my my worry now. My worry is this. The only thing worse than this defense is the offense, and I think that we will agree to that, that if the offense had done anything, it would have been a better football game and perhaps they would not have even given up 22 points. My worry is that we have a defensive head coach that passed over Pat Mahomes to draft defensive guys and tra- traded back up in the first round to get more defensive guys and wants to win games 14 to 10. And I hate that. And I think at the end of the year, there's a real worry that there's going to be an argument about whether this team needs offense or, or defensive talent more in the first round. And I'm worried that the defensive talent question is going to win because they don't. They need offensive talent amazingly somehow more <clears throat> than this. Um, so that's my that's my worry about going uh, long distance after a quarter of the season is that, you know, we're going to get tricked into drafting more defense and that will really seal the fate of this team. Yeah, no. That is a fair concern. I, I, I think it's it's fair for a defensive coach to want to think he's always got to get more defensive talent because that's how he can best kind of leverage his opportunities. But I would say it's probably the opposite and that a defensive coach should really try and make the best out of a bunch of no-names on defense and then yes. give the offense a bunch of nice toys and just hope that someone can make better use yes, out of it. In the platonic, and then I know it's Paul's turn. In the platonic ideal, yes, that's what would happen. They would throw as much talent as they could at the offense, and then in the defense, he would allow his genius to take over and and you know create from the 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 clump of clay that is there. Uh, but my worry is that he's going to be like, I need more. I need another linebacker because if if we just held the, you know, like this is one of those things where like you know both sides of the ball needed to play better, sure, but. You know, I, I hope in the room they're saying the offense really needed to play. <laughs> like, he sounded pretty hot. He sounded should, pretty hot about the offense. He sounded we should have been competitive, right? Like even if you don't win and you hold, I guess, I guess I'm going to come fully around on this game with you, Scott, and say <laughs> if you if you hold Green Bay to 22 points, you should be in the game. Yes, <laughs> you should yes. be. You should be in the game if you don't win it. Um, but I should let Paul go now because I've, I've yes, Paul thoughts on yeah, offense. That's that's all right. The uh, I think Frank segued beautifully there with the if you score, you know, if you hold Green Bay to 22 points in Green Bay, you should win it or at the very least be in the game at some point during the game. Right. But they weren't, which is why I do fall a little bit more on Scott's original line of thinking that Frank was more coming around to by the end, which is, yeah, there were some defensive problems this game for sure. Ryan Lewis's drop pick six really stands up there. And yet, we're at a point where I'm criticizing a guy who's on signed off New England's practice squad two weeks ago, came in and started start a game for not getting a pick six when he broke up a fourth down pass from Aaron Rodgers. Like that, that's that's a pretty big ask on my part for him to to do that. He played very well this week generally, and so did much of the defense for an offense that was three and out constantly, didn't give the defense any time to rest, a special teams performance that didn't 
stand out at all except for the the punning game mm-hmm. so again we got the return of brian mormon here maybe but it was it was a game where i feel yes and frank's point is totally valid if you've allowed 100 points in your losses your defense can't say hey we're doing everything for our part but you know the the counter to that is the offenses they've allowed big points to have scored a lot of points against everyone. I watched right. the night game against, you know, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore's offense looked as good against Pittsburgh as they did against Buffalo. And San Diego, I watched the second half of their game when it was on, and, and very similarly, good looking offense performance against San Francisco. So, you know, for the most part, I'm going to have to, you know, say the defense definitely has a long way to go. I agree with the premise that. You know, defensive coaches, which they don't do, should focus drafting more on the, on more on drafting the best offensive players available because they are going to be better at utilizing a lack of talent to get the most out of a defense than they are a lack of offensive talent to get the most out of that. So, but again, that's counterintuitive. You tell and you know, you offer an, an alcoholic cocaine, they're going to be like, I'd rather have Schlitz. You know, they they're going to want the best of what that's they. That's the worst metaphor. I've I know, and you know what's funny. While you were talking about that, I'm like, oh, there's got to be a way to make a great funny comparison here. And I thought, what's funnier than alcoholism? And I still went with it, even though I recognized three minutes ago when this conversation came up that it was a terrible joke. And yet, I like beer. That's yes. all I have to say. <laughs> yes. Thank um, you. There's a separate question that we should table later is like, if they do get to like decide they want to draft offensive talent, can they? Because... That's also questionable whether we can whether we have a good eye for offensive talent, but that's not a question we should get into right this minute. Yeah, have they right. drafted anyone who's shown anything offensively under the McDermott and or McDermott Bean era. The only Honestly. offensive player I can think of taking the first three rounds besides Allen, who we're not going we're not going to know about for a bit, is Zay, and Zay is part of I the would problem. Say Josh right Allen is currently the best offensive talent they've taken, and there are questions about that. And 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 more to my my point, which I tweeted about from the account earlier today sorry paul oh no that's all right I, and that, you call, but you called yourself out on it so that's, i did that's, i did i i, I acknowledge that this was me um but you know s- some of the offensive talent they've passed on uh is exceptional and so or at least you know mcdermott passing on mahomes which uh, I don't know. I might beat that drum until he's gone. We'll have to see. Uh, <laughs> 15 years of Frank talking about Mahomes and McDermott. We'll not be able to live it down. Um, I don't know. I mean, I would say Nathan Peterman has a good chance of being like a solid car insurance like salesman <laughs> at some point right. in the future. Like yeah, if we don't on. limit it to football talent, then I think that there's a lot of there's a lot that there's we, a lot of good doctors and lawyers that are that are going to be turned out by this Bills team sooner right. or later. Deion Dawkins probably a good bouncer. Oh, someday big guy. Zooling. Oh, you're zooling, Paul. I'm sorry. So frustrated. We had a good long streak of no zooling. Great. We've had an Aaron Rodgers like streak of not zooling. And I, it's because I opened a site with a video on SI.com, so I will all right. be right back. Thank hey, you. Um, so I will continue briefly yes. before we get to, to three stars. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this team is 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 as we expect. I think now I finally reached where I feel like, okay, this is this team. And yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not terrified by that. It doesn't bother me. That's who this group is. Is this is we always knew this was going to be the rebuilding team. And just the the peaks and valleys that we've gone through in the first three weeks are so ridiculous that it's nice to kind of feel like, okay, this makes a little sense. And yeah, if Josh Allen is halfway decent, maybe we can win some of these kind of games against kind of the lower division of the NFL and right. move it around for next year. So I think I think it's okay. I, I I'm not sure I've got anything else on this game. Do you guys have anything else on this game, Frank? I would only say that my final thoughts on this game are with Allen, that I'm not as discouraged as a lot of people seem to be with him because I I think I was led to believe he would be a truly, I mean, the football outsiders thing made him sound like he was going to be a caricature of a human being uh, (laughs) with regards to, and so the fact that, this was to me like he didn't look good in the Chargers game, but he didn't look completely lost in the Chargers game. And then he looked pretty good in this in the Vikings game. And so the fact that this was like the first game that he looked totally lost in um, to me and, and truly had problems with with the line and the receivers uh, like I'm not very discouraged because I didn't get super high on him last week. I was I was 
the fact that he did anything encouraging at all in the first couple of weeks is good to me. Um, so I guess because my bar was so low, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with him and I'm certainly not ready to, 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 you know, drop his stock a lot or anything, even if he's not Pat Mahomes. Uh, but that's my <laughs> final thought on it. Um, this is this is also not a Kansas City Chiefs podcast. It should be. Uh, right. We should do another Kansas. We'll talk about Mahomes more on our maybe Chiefs next podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Paul, do you have any thoughts while you turn off your video? There's no place uh, like Mahomes. That would be my Kansas City podcast. <laughs> As a matter of fact, that might be now the title of this podcast today. Yeah. <laughs> we have our title for the pod. No, I think we've. We've covered most of the, uh, the the big points on this. Do we do we want to talk about Allen's passing total as a result of this game? Oh, yeah, right, yeah. Give us the, how many that? passing yards. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's six. 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 That's, that's not an ignominious sign at all. Hey. Oh, it's not six, nine. It's six, six, six. Yeah, he has. The devil's, the devil's yes. passing total. That is That is what I was, you know. Uh, bringing up so yes is is josh allen satan that could also be that's an alternate title for well you know what if he passes for zero yards next week he'll still have the same total so we can use that again and title next week's podcast you know is josh allen satan that's i feel like i feel like we're already we're already halfway there we're already committed let's let's just spend most of next week's podcast talking about the uh, existence of satan here on the mortal plane uh, in the body of josh allen but until then, mm-hmm. maybe we'll just go to three stars. Seems good. My favorite segment because I am the one who does all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to give our fourth non-existent star, our honorable mention, to Jordan Poyer, who has slowly kind of rounded into form a little bit as a member of the defense. He had not played particularly well this year, but he did get an interception of one Mr. Aaron Rodgers uh on sunday and he also had six tackles and again i would not say a terrible performance by the bills defense. certainly could have been better no doubt about that but they were able to bring some get some pressure do some kind of creative things they they were a little off balance early on and mcdermott mcdermott acknowledged that but then they did kind of tighten some things up and slowed down green bay for the rest of the game so i think that's enough to get at least an honorable mention. and maybe his relationship strife has wound down a bit in that that has helped Hopefully, we can all hopefully is right. Yeah. Um, So our third star is going to go to uh, Devontae Adams, who had eight catches for 81 yards, no touchdown. But, you know, I I called out Tredavious last week for for playing pretty well and, and playing well the whole season. He unfortunately did not have quite as good of a game. And that's obviously because A, he's playing Aaron Rodgers and B, Devontae Adams is pretty good. So you know, Adams, eight catches, 81 yards. Again, not tremendous numbers, but certainly whenever they were, a lot of times when Green Bay needed a first down, he did get himself available frequently against White. Uh, that's probably a, a key matchup that if White had done a little better job, it probably would have slowed the Packers offense down even a little bit more um, than, than they were already kind of slowed down by the Bills defense. So Adams uh, gets that uh, third star. Second star goes to uh, Kyle Fackrell, who had uh, four tackles, three sacks. Uh, feasting on the Bills' defense, or excuse me, on the Bills' offensive line, uh, along with the rest of the Packers' front uh, front four, with uh, seven sacks in total of Josh Allen. Um, some of them, certainly Allen, probably could have done a slightly better job of. In fact, there were at least two or three that I can think of off the top of my head when he's running backwards away from the line of scrimmage and then eventually gets sacked. That's usually not a good look for a quarterback. Uh, but some of them he certainly had no chance on due to the line and due to some pretty decent play from the, the Packers D line. I want to give them some credit, even though I think we're pretty established how poor the Bills offensive line is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your first star, I'm going to give to uh, David Bakhtiari, who's the left tackle. Um, now, again, Aaron Rodgers did get sacked on a couple occasions, at least twice. And, um, you know, obviously not a perfect game from the Green Bay offense in general. But one thing I was looking at pretty closely was how Jerry Hughes was going to look in this game, and I didn't, I didn't see anything from Jerry Hughes for the most part. Jerry Hughes had five tackles, three for loss, which is a pretty, not a terrible number. But honestly, some of those tackles for loss were when they were throwing, and this is I think a, a big part of the Packers' game plan to show, slow down the rush a little bit, was to throw a lot of wide receiver screens, 
do a lot of misdirection to Jerry Hughes aside. He could kind of catch on to some of that by the end. So he'd get some of those tackles for loss, but he definitely slowed down his rush. And I think that allowed Bakhtiari to kind of get back into the game or at least not, not get back into the game, but to establish himself as the able to protect Rogers uh, blindside. And that obviously became one of the things that the bills were not able to get against this batch rush. That kind of was part of the problem. Also, the Packers were able to rush pretty successfully. This is probably the worst uh, game that the Bills had in terms of rush defense. They've done, again, it's been a an undersold story to a certain part this year because obviously the first two games they got blown out, so it doesn't matter who cares if the run defense was good. But the run defense was actually pretty okay for some of those. This game, the dam kind of broke. 32 rushes for the Packers, 140 yards and a touchdown. Um, obviously not where the run defense needs to be given the amount of money invested in it in the offseason. So uh, first star goes to Bakhtiari. Again, three Packers, all stars. So we're at, I think... Three Bill stars and nine non-Bill stars. Right, which is like we have not had a player from the losing team make a star, which is pretty indicative of the fact that there is simply not much performance being done by the losing team. There's plenty of good football being played out there, ladies and ladies and gentlemen. Don't watch a Bills game if that's what you're interested right. in. Right. One way or another, clearly it's not headed in that direction. So uh, barring any thoughts on three stars, which there, of course there are none, because my three stars are great. Um Let's move on to some roster moves. Um, people not cut, at least to my knowledge, include Kelvin Benjamin for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because there's just... Well, they cut Jeremy Curley, so that's not just because they don't like him. You know, well, I'm sorry. Never mind. That didn't make the sense I wanted it to make. Continue to Scott. I, that's fair. Um, no, I, I thought we'd just gone back in time three weeks. It made perfect sense to me. I was going to say... It's, <laughs> I was going to say they kept him because they need receivers because they don't have any. But my, my counterpoint to that was, but they cut Jeremy Curley when they already knew they didn't have a lot of receivers. So apparently that's not the reason they're not cutting him. That's what I was going for. Yeah. So, so um, Paul, do you have thoughts on Curley being cut or any other cuts? Because I can't find the list of cuts right now. Sure. There was only, I thought there were going to be two. There were some rumors out there about a second, but instead it is just one this week. We are losing someone who has just a phenomenal name. And I, I, I did mention him on Twitter last week in the Vikings win, uh, but he is gone. And that is Mr. Nate Orchard has been, been cut from the bills in his place in lieu of the fact that they have no real cornerbacks after Ryan Lewis and everyone else is injured, who, who is a real cornerback. They have signed Dante Johnson. Who was a who was signed by the Seahawks as a free agent during the offseason. Then he was placed on injured reserve with a groin injury, and then they cut him from injured reserve last week. So the uh, Orchard had been a second round pick in 2015. Man, that would have had to have been a terrible organization that drafted him with a second round. Oh, it was the Browns. Never mind. Mm. So they they had released him earlier this month. He was featured in Hard Knocks. He uh, appeared in a couple games for the Bills. So you know Nate Orchard, we barely knew ye. Welcome Dante Johnson, uh, which is a little bit too close a name to my liking, Devontae Davis. And Dante Whitner. Yes, as far as Bill's defensive backs goes. So that is my initial concern, aside from the fact that he was, you know, cut and no one really picked him up until now. But, uh, yeah, and I think when we were talking about roster moves and and, and people being cut too, and especially at the receiver position, I, I did want to bring up. Uh, Jeremy Curley, because I wanted to bring him up when I was in the Hague, when when he was he was cut, I believe, is he still has it? You know, the the players that everyone talks about, Curley and Brandon Riley, and and these other guys are supposedly pretty good. None of them have been picked up by other teams. And Corey Coleman was just cut by the the Patriots off their practice squad. So, I think even though we're thinking, man, they seem to be cutting players at a position of receiver where they are no good players, the players they've cut aren't really that good either. So, you know, that is and- what it is. And to be fair, and it's also like players that are that they have like willingly let walk out the door have also gone on to do okay because Jordan Matthews just caught a touchdown in Philadelphia, uh, back with Philly uh, on Sunday, mm-hmm. and they're eventually lost to the Titans in overtime. But uh, Frank, do you have any? Where do you? I mean, am I the only one who feels like this is another example of Frank's point about you know again like? Well, let's cut a wide receiver. And uh, I could not to jump in, but yeah, Jordan Matthews was was let go. He could have been easily retained. I think we've talked about 
you know, we talked about Watkins and Woods and Goodwin last week, all contributors, though Watkins was, yeah. was hurt this week. We've, we've rarely mentioned Chris Hogan, who's doing fine with the Patriots. And by fine, I mean he's doing better than any Bills receiver this mm-hmm. season. So they've let a lot of talent go at the receiver position where retaining, you know, just one or two of those guys would be helpful. I think the guys they're cutting now are largely, you know, not good NFL players, but that's certainly – you know, they didn't make a good enough effort to retain some guys at reasonable prices, except for Watkins, who could have really helped them. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's fair to wonder whether Jordan Matthews wanted to be here or not, especially given his comments about how much there was to do in Buffalo. So maybe he couldn't have been easily retained. Right. True. Um, but I do agree that they. I mean. A couple weeks ago, they cut a wide receiver to make room for a defensive end against Los Angeles because it was going to be a hot day. That was the official word. And I mean, a fat lot of fucking good that did, if I could swear, please. Um, and, you know, so, yeah, th- that feeds into my question about whether they have a, a, a proper understanding of how bad the offense is and whether you know, it's one thing if they say, OK, we got a little blindsided with some of the retirements. Um, and, uh, and uh, to another thing, if they are willfully sort of ignoring it, um, the other thing that is not said enough is that, you know, I, we've said it here, but it isn't said enough. The fact that the bills are so bare covered on offense is because of all the choices the Buffalo bills have made. They're not bare covered on offense because of a lot of bad luck. There's some bad luck, but they've also chosen to ship out players that were very good and not pay players that are good and not pursue good players and trade away offensive linemen to, you know, understandably to move up in, in the draft to get a quarterback they wanted, but they didn't have to do that if they had gotten a quarterback before, or if they had settled on a different quarterback or a lot of things. And so they're here because of their own design, you know, and, Granted, this is really just the beginning of year two for for Brandon Bean, but you know, don't I don't want to completely you know exonerate them for their lack of talent on offense. No, I think it's fair. I mean, if you look at the 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 draft picks that are currently from this regime that are currently on the roster, you have uh, on offense you have Ray Ray McLeod, you have. Wyatt Teller, you have Josh Allen, obviously, Nathan Peterman, obviously. And then I was Foster was an undrafted free agent. Am I correct there? Yeah, I think he was undrafted because they only drafted McLeod and Prol, I believe. Yeah, and Prol obviously didn't make the team. Murphy's been around for a little while, right? He used a free agent pickup, I think. Yes, Marcus Murphy. Yeah. He played in the playoff game last year against uh, Jacksonville, I remember. Whereas on defense, if you look at guys who have been drafted by this regime, uh, Harrison Phillips, um, was Eddie Yarbrough one or no? Was he brought in? I forget. You think he's a free agent guy, yeah. but he might have been a uh, he might have been an off the uh, a uh, that's when was he picked up? I'm gonna I'm gonna look at that without actually. Uh, he was I'll, drafted. I'll, I'll do a research. Looks like yes, mm-hmm. but Harrison Phillips. Uh, Julian Stanford, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it was, sorry, I just got rid of the stupid thing that had all the thing of the things that I was looking at. That's dumb. Um, but anyway, there were all Siren Neal, Teron Johnson. Um, it, there's far more defensive guys who have stuck to this team basically because of, you know, that obviously, um, yeah, it says two years college Wyoming. Oh, yeah. after a stint with the de- during free agency, after a stint with the f- signed with the Broncos in 2016. So that's sort of a young guy. But yeah, uh, Matt Milano, um, you know, Tredavious, obviously. And again, not not that these guys are bad players, but there's definitely a consistent pattern that they have invested a lot more capital on defense of guys who have stuck. And also speaks to to Frank's point about um, the 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 lack of success drafting on offense. So. With that, I think we should move to Facebook questions. Um, there are no Facebook questions. Uh, let's move to Twitter questions. Uh, there are Twitter no Twitter questions. questions. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it was it was that type of game it was this week. So, and you know what? It, it, none of the observations were particularly great. This it was a really a dull Twitter week. But can I really blame anyone? I didn't want to comment on Twitter. It was just my 
I was, I was, I, I had to. So I, I mean, the best exchange was me. We are paying you. Oh wait. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, my bad. But yeah, the best exchange was me and Grant talking about, you know, how the new Magnum PI doesn't have a mustache, and that's that's ridiculous. But that's a fifty-first state bar, con which you know, conversation, which guarantees Magnum PI will be on television for 15 years. Yep. And for the, for the background on that, for those who don't know, we, uh, we used to call, uh, how I met your mother before it came on the air, the Doogie and Buffy show and joked Doogie about, Willow Do no, he said Doogie and Willow show. I should yeah. say. And, uh, yeah, we're like, I oh, has to be off the air soon. And I think it lasted like what, 10 seasons mm -hmm. somewhere about. So yeah. So Magnum PI, congratulations. We expect royalty checks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that, we will move to this day in Bill's history. Which wow, is we are. Yeah, we're flying through. Yes. Yeah, so this is going to be. Uh, so I did, we we have two disgusting losses to discuss, which I'll cover quickly because no one likes to uh, discuss those sorts of things. So we're going to go back to the Bills high in 2011, and I say it was a high for them because they had just knocked off the England Patriots. It was a. It was going to be a big. Uh, they were they were three zero. They had a lead against the Bengals, and uh, lo and behold, second half doesn't go as is planned. Despite the Bills being a road favorite for the first time in many many years, they ended up losing a game to the Cincinnati Bengals. And there's a reason I'm whipping through this because we all have this day in Bills headlines, which is going to be more exciting. Uh, they ended up losing to the Cincinnati Bengals by a score which is not currently loading on my phone in a prompt manner, and I've learned the hard way not to search on NFL.com on my computer because I will Zoogle things. But they lost to the Bengals on this day seven years ago. Trust me, 23-20 in overtime. Thank you. Thank you for that slow response, NFL.com. They also got killed 19-7 by the Saints in 2005 in a game that we all watched. And I say, I say ki killed by the Saints because that score isn't indicative of how this game went. The Bills were never really in it. And this was a bad Saints team, by the way. This was not the the Drew Brees-led Saints. This was looking your mama's Saints. Right. This was a post-Katrina Saints team. And uh, they they were playing their games. Where was it in? Were they playing Oklahoma, was it? They, I, Houston. That's um, No, was it? Yeah, maybe it was Houston. I can't remember where they played. The highlight of this game uh, for me, and I brought this one up on previous uh, pods, but uh, I have to read up again. Frank was surprisingly absent this game. So it was Scott and I at the aforementioned now shuttered 51st state. The only highlight of this game uh, for the Bills was a kick return by Terrence McGee at the end of the first half. That was the most brilliant kick return you'll see in your life. And he tripped over a player at the two and fell at the end of the half. And they did not score as a result of that. So that was my memory of that game as well. Anyway, on to this day in Bill's headlines. We'll fire right into some trivia. We have, it looks like, 10 questions again, some hard, some easy. And as usual, first person to buzz correctly with the uh, proper answer is the winner of absolutely nothing. So we'll go all the way back to 2017. The Bills are one day removed from a shocking upset of the Atlanta Falcons. And it mentions that in the headline, this player uses football as a Nintendo cartridge after first Bills TD. It says, after quarterback Tyrod Taylor found this player in the end zone to give the Bills a 7-3 lead in the second quarter, the receiver, without missing a beat, pretended the football was a Nintendo cartridge, blew into it, jammed it into a make-believe console, and began miming the act of playing a video game. Hmm. Whoa. I don't feel like I, I remember, don't remember this at that. all. Yeah. yeah. Here's a hint. He was mentioned on this podcast. <laughs> Um, I would have hoped that we would have mentioned him at some point if he caught a touchdown pass for us. Well, no, I mean like today. Oh, today. Oh, so I'm going to say it seems like a Marquise Goodwin kind of thing. I think it is. Well, he was a, gone. By I think it is a who's the lineman I said got traded, Scott. Uh, for the 12th pick. Uh, why can't I remember his name? Is it that guy? Is it the lineman that I'm thinking of, Paul? Nope, nope, it's not. I was okay. gonna let you go with it though for a while. Yeah, well, I don't know why I can't think of his freaking name, and it, it would. Here's uh, here's my hint, which we'll give it to you guys. After this game, I'm sure he flew back to Buffalo and then just decided to have sex with his wife. Oh, Jordan Matthews. Jordan Matthews okay. is the correct. Oh, he caught a touchdown pass. He did. Yeah. All right. 
these environments. Yeah. Uh, so look up, look up that highlight when you can. All, all right. right. 2015, Bills cornerback blank named NFL Defensive Rookie of the Month. 2015. Yep. Defensive Rookie of the Month. We don't draft good players, though. Oh, no, no. We drafted him. He's a good player, and then we trade him away. Oh, okay. Um, Who is Kiko Alonso? Good guess, but not quite. Frank? Give me the clue one more time. I need to hear it one more time. All right, Bill's cornerback blank. Oh, cornerback. NFL Defensive Rookie of the Month. He is a good defensive player. He has been traded. I it, then I'm going to say Ronald Darby. Ronald Darby. Darby yeah. Now this one you can guess any of these, uh, but I I'm going to I'm going to read the headline. It's two players, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to read the story, the the byline underneath it because it's so ridiculous. Uh, blank and blank shine for young Buffalo Bills. This is 2013. It helps to nail the 2013. It helps to nail the draft, which it looks like the Bills did in 2013. <laughs> EJ Manuel, while still green, has made enough plays and shown enough promise early that questions about a franchise QB are at least on hold. Uh, a bad week against Baltimore doesn't dampen the enthusiasm for the ex Florida State star. All right. And Blank is the front runner for defense rookie of the year. And Blank had a breakout game in week four against the Ravens. And that second Blank was a receiver. So you're looking for a front runner for defense rookie of the year in 2013 and a guy who is a receiver at a breakout game against the Ravens. Okay, so I think Scott should make his guess again now. Yes. I feel like Kiko Alonso is one. I would guess Kiko Alonso and you would be correct. Yeah. And then the receiver. Also also mentioned on this very podcast. We didn't mention James Hardy. Uh I mean, when was Sammy? Sammy was 14? Sammy was 2014, first round. Yeah. 14, so it would have been right before him. This player has not had a 100-yard receiving day in Chris Hogan. two days. Chris Hogan. Uh, guess, Robert Woods. Robert Woods, yep. Did we yeah. mention Robert Woods today? Maybe. We did, yeah. And the, we mentioned Watkins. We, we, we lumped in Watkins, Woods, Goodwin, and Hogan. Or let go, yeah. All right, now we're going to go into some former NFLers. So these are going to be a little tougher. You're going to you're going to do fine. Uh, blank takes the blame for turning point fumble in Bills' loss to Pats. Now I remember missing this game because I had a softball playoff game that day, but the Bills uh, kept it close in Foxborough. Fitzpatrick had a great day, and then right toward the end, this player had a key fumble. Pats. I think I yeah I I think oh. I know this game. I think it's got to be the Leotis McKelvin Monday Night fumble. That would be my thought. No, it's October though, right? It's October. It's... Yep. That was yeah, a good point. Right. I was not saying, remember, Leotis was the season opener. Right. Oh. Okay. So I'm wrong. All right. Well, Offensive he also would have taken the. Uh, <laughs> so many key fumbles against the Patriots. It's hard to keep them all straight. Yes. Um, yeah. No, I was going to guess Leotis too. So. I, you... All right. It is Carla Jean Spiller. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, 2011, this will be very tough, so I'll give some hints. Bill's fullback blank, happy to be a misfit. This fullback might be remembered for being arrested. This is this is a story that just makes you shake your head at society. He was uh, going to be arrested for allegedly indecently exposing himself, and then it was discovered that he looked nothing like the person who would decently expose himself to this yeah. woman, except that he had dreadlocks and there were no other similarities. I think this has got to be Anthony Booby Dixon. Oh, that's a great guess. Oh, Pull back with dread, yeah. but not the yeah, guy. Um, he used to wear his mouth guard. He wore vampire teeth is his mouth guard. Oh, I yeah, I can't remember him. <laughs> I remember um, that being a thing. Not though. the not the answer I was expecting, Frank. Oh, I don't remember who that is. <laughs> I, oh, that rings no bells. <laughs> um, I just I'm gonna call out an old fullback's name, and I'm gonna say. Damian Shelton. Uh, wow, we went back to 04. That's a good guess, though. Harwell uh, Gartner. <laughs> it is uh, it's Jamie Mueller. No, it's uh, it's Corey McIntyre. Okay, Corey, Corey McIntyre. McIntyre. In fact, if you Google him, the very first image is him scowling with his vampire teeth mouth guard. It's Let's take a pause to point out that we're still like drafting lots of stupid old 
fullback running backs for no reason on this team. That was something that was not brought up in offensive ineptitude. Chris yeah. Ivory, etc. <laughs> we don't have to have a whole conversation on this, right. but I felt like Mike Tolbert, yeah, big guys who do nothing. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, 2010 Buffalo Bills release linebacker blank. This was one of their big free agent signings just years earlier than cut mid season in 2010. Mm. I will give a hint among Frank's five favorite random, uh, guesses. This is, this is one of the ones I feel that Frank often guesses, but has never been an answer until this moment. Aaron Maven. No. no, good guess, though. Because he was both a defensive end and a linebacker? All right. Um, and he was with the team in 2010, so it wasn't a terrible guess. Oh, it's Paul. Paul Puzlesny. No, no, another good oh, they guess. Traded him. Damn it. All right, I'm not allowed yeah. to guess anymore. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I am going to say um, Han Solo. Oh, so close. And Frank even made his Chewbacca noise. Oh, oh. <laughs> It was uh, Super Bowl champion New York Giant, Kavika Mitchell. Oh, yeah, Kavika Mitchell. Mitchell. Yep. All right, this is a tougher one, too, so I'll give some hints. Blank's first start with Bills is right around the corner. Hint, hint. Cornerback, best known for me, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated for the Bills in 2011, returning a Tom Brady interception for a touchdown. Damn it, who was that? A cornerback? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And he had the pick and he was running into the he scored a touchdown and the crowd's going crazy and they're three and oh. It was and the I one said, that hit Darius in the helmet, bounced over to this yeah, guy. Yeah, and I even there. sent this guy a tweet and I was like, I can't believe I you know, I had to like because you know, that wasn't the that wasn't the DC area sports illustrated. That was like a Buffalo only yeah. area cover, and I had to have my parents send it to me, and I'm not sure where it is right now. Otherwise I would just go look at it. Uh, he was uh, just named to the Jacksonville 40 under 40 for his tech from vets initiative. That helps you not at all, but uh, uh, he was also with the chargers in his career and the Panthers. I'm going to say like Terrence McGee. Yeah, Terrence oh. not a bad guess. I think you're in the right area. I'm going to go with uh, Dangun Wangaman, uh, uh, the legendary founder of Gojus and the first ever Korean kingdom. <laughs> Uh, I think that it was. I think it was Dangun. I think he was safety, but that might uh, be. Where yeah, all right. That's yeah. So I don't know. It was a little a, before they were drawing distinctions yeah. between. <laughs> it was good old Drayton Florence. Drayton Florence. Florence. <laughs> that son of a bitch. Sorry. I was gonna say like his last name is my uh, grandmother's name, but it, that that wouldn't have done any good. All right. That would have led to a lot of grandma jokes. Few to go here. Scott needs to get this one. Two thousand eight. Bill's wide receiver blank reaches four-year contract extension. 2008. Uh, was it Lee Evans? It was Lee Evans, yes. Yeah. Uh, we didn't would, make it through that extension. I was going to say, yeah, we did not make it through that extension. <laughs> All right. 2003, blank sets double-digit sack goal. And, spoiler alert, he actually accomplished it. 2007. Sackle. I may have said seven. I meant three. Two thousand three. Oh, that's very different. Two thousand three. So I won't. But guess he was on the team both years. If that helps. Well, then I will guess Aaron Schobel. Yeah, you would be correct. And Aaron Schobel would finish two thousand three with eleven and a half sacks. Yeah. So yeah, he, he made his goal. Two thousand seven, a mere six and a half. But he was uh, yeah, still better than you and I will ever do. We could we could use an Aaron Schobel right now on this team. All right, the final three blank. A force in the new defensive scheme. And this blank is a cornerback. Uh, first round pick did great. You're right, basically you have a one in two chance here if you remember this Bills era. What um, is the guy from Clements or Winfield? That's that's correct. Now it's a matter of picking the correct one. Winfield. Clement. Winfield it is. Oh, oh, sorry, Scott. Scott gets half credit for bringing up the name. All right, 2000, not a Bill. Blank's kick beats Bills. The hint uh he was at one point the most accurate kicker in nfl history eventually was called by peyton manning idiot kicker who wouldn't stop running his mouth and then missed a huge kick that allowed the steelers to eventually win the super bowl mike vanderjack mike vanderjack wow that was, oh, yeah. that was good all right this is for four million points and bragging rights on every podcast 1999 blank has bills believing in happy returns 
the hints. He was a return man. Yeah. He was a wide receiver. He was known as the Cowboys return man during their Super Bowl years and came over to Buffalo toward the end of his career and did fairly well in the role. Uh, but probably someone you would, I would doubt would be in the top of your name, top of your, your mind. Jacoby Jones. Uh, offensive <laughs> <laughs> um, I was gonna say, um, Ronald McDonald. Ooh, uh, yes, known for his house. Well, he took it to the house, right? That's where he yes. got the name. That might have been his nickname. So I feel like I have to give some credit there, even if I can't give the four billion points. Uh, does the name? Kevin Williams ring any any bell with you guys? Yeah, he was in like, Tecmo Super Bowl as a cowboy. He's like five hundred different football players. Yes, there's a, you <laughs> actually have say. to Google Kevin Williams wide receiver, and he's still like the second or third person that comes up. From now on, players. if I don't know any of these, I'm just gonna guess Williams. I'm just gonna say, yep. oh, it was Williams. It was a Williams. Yeah, it was Jay Williams. <laughs> exactly. And that was this day in Bill's headlines, October 2nd, 1999 through 2017. I'll read my... Go ahead, please. Well, I was going to derail, so don't. Yeah, don't listen to me. No, I'm going to derail in a separate direction. Go Um, for it. You're the host. Yeah, exactly. I'm the host, so I get to choose the method of my tangent. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I tried to think of something that couldn't possibly hurt us. the concern I have with this day in Bill's headlines is I don't have enough ability to come up with a long, torturous introduction to my stupid, not funny trivia answer. So I'm okay. wondering, uh, so yeah. it's, it's because I can blurt out Ronald McDonald anytime, but I feel like the, the, the real, the real crap part of that joke is in the buildup, the really right. slow buildup. So, so I, I feel like we need to figure out a way to work it back in at some point. Right. This is like once once more during the season and give it a good farewell. Because this day in Bell's headline is a much better bit in general from top to bottom. Right. Now that what I've thought about doing is some sort of amalgamation. We've kind of played with this a little bit today and in previous weeks, but go all in, do the headlines, then go into a game that happened on that day. Ah. Not go into full details on that game, just some general, and then have you give that. Yeah, that but I don't, and and I say this with love, Paul. I don't know if you could do a game and not go into full detail because yeah. you are no, Mister Full Detail. You well, it's just that you are are, are full of detail, and you and, and you want to bring it to life, and you do a great job of it. So I'm happy to to give it a go, but I would believe that you would just end up doing full detail, even though you said you weren't going to do full detail. Right. Yes. It's like I say, I'm not going to be late. I mean, come on. We know me well at this point. Yeah, 820. Sure, Paul. Right. Okay. It was 822. It was very close when I dialed in. Speaking of 22, um, we are, it's 922 here on the Eastern Seaboard, and we are going to get moving on this here podcast. So let's move on to our second quarter preview and the preview of the game against the upcoming Titans. As per standard, we will do our kind of, we'll do our brief look forward. Uh, to the next three games to kind of see how we think about the, them falling out. And then we'll come back to the Titans game this Sunday at one o'clock. Um, the next three games at Houston, at Indianapolis, home versus New England. Uh, just to give you guys a brief refresher, uh, Houston is one in three, having narrowly escaped with a win at Indianapolis in an overtime game, um, previously losing to the Pats, Titans, and Giants. Uh, the Colts are also one in three with a win over the semi-hapless Redskins, um, but also, again, uh, not a lot of great wins, not other any other wins on their schedule. And then, obviously, New England, um, you know, technically scuffling to start the season, but as usual, snapped out of it, you know, by week four and just completely dominated the Dolphins 38-7 on Sunday. So we have that to look forward to in week four. I will start with uh, Frank on this one. And I'll sure. ask Frank, what is your expectation for the record for those three? You can either go game by game, or you can just kind of give us the 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 zero and yeah. three, one and two, what so forth. I think that it's fair to point out that I think that we all believed that when they lost the first two games, zero and four was a certainty, and beating Minnesota certainly is the outlier at this point. But that outliers happen in football. Um, that said, I think we're at the point of the schedule now where like bad teams 
are looking like bad teams and good teams are looking like good teams, even if they don't have quite that record, you point out New England. Obviously, I'm going to pick New England now and forever until Bill Belichick and, and Tom Brady are gone. Um, so that's one of those four games down. And I and I struggle to think that, you know, at Houston, at Indianapolis, <sighs> I think that they got to win one of those games. They don't have to. I think that they're going to win one of those games. I, I, I struggle to tell you which one. Um, both of those teams have serious flaws. Um, I think that the bigger point about the offenses they've been playing that the bills defense should probably look better in the next three weeks. I think that's what I really want to predict is that the next three weeks here, Tennessee, Houston, Indianapolis, these are not powerhouse offenses. They're teams that can score points, but they're not powerhouse offenses. And I think the bills defense will look better and people will start building up and they'll get a lot more credit and then they'll get, you know, fucking lampooned and bombed out by new England. Um, and so, you know, it's either going to be one and three or two and two. Um, and I think I'll say two and two only because uh, based on the Bills theory of, you know, giving a little bit of hope here in the middle, uh, which will ultimately go unfounded. Yeah, I almost had them going uh, for the three game stretch. I'll ignore the Titans game. I almost had them going two and one, but I had to backtrack that. I feel like I'm, I can pick the Patriots as a loss and that doesn't require any sort of explanation. Correct. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, good. So then I would, I would pick the Colts as the win in that scenario. I believe that is a, is that the home game or are they on the road? No, that's a road game they're on the road against Houston yeah. and they're home against Tennessee. Right. Okay. In England. Yeah. So I think they'll still go on the road and, and beat Indianapolis. I think they match up well with Indy, they beat them when they're with a Joe Webb to Deontay Thompson combination last year. And the Colts have still shown the same types of struggles this year under General Frank Reich. But uh, I, I just think they're, they're a more talented team. I think they'll match up well. I think Josh will do well away from the pressure. And I don't think Indy's crowd will be as into it as they were in the, the Manning era because the, the team just isn't very solid right now. And I think this defense could do an okay job against Locke. So I see that as a win. The reasons I am not optimistic for the Texans game and why I will pick Houston, it's two reasons. It is Jadavian Clowney and Jadavian Jadavian Watt. I think that's what the Jays stand Yeah, for. right. So I, I that, that pass rush concerns me right there, and their ability to just totally disrupt what Jadavian Allen, excuse me, Josh Allen would be doing at quarterback is – is pretty high in my regard. So I just think the Bills are going to have a real, real problem reacting well to that. So I'll say they'll go one and two in those games. I agree with Paul's logic 100%. I have nothing. I think it's, I think he. I also said one and two. So we all seem pretty, pretty, pretty clear that we're headed for by week eight. We should be looking at a Bills team that's probably not better than three and five. Yeah. But to, to, to hone in on that just a tad. Uh, let's talk about the Titans game briefly this Sunday Titans, uh, on ESPN, they have it as Tennessee by three and a half, which I think is probably pretty fair. Obviously Tennessee, uh, you know, again, did just kind of, uh, you know, maybe the Super Bowl chance on Sunday. Yeah, they did it in overtime. Um, but by God, and if they were at home, but they did it and, um, mm -hmm. they're clearly got a lot more going for them right now than the bills do. So why don't we start with, uh, Paul for this one and uh, give us your thoughts on the Titans game. Yeah, this is, uh, I wrote on Twitter after the victory over the, uh, the Vikings that the bills could do anything and it really is not going to surprise me. So I will not be surprised by the results of this game with the one exception that maybe I will be, if it's entertaining, because that would be the one thing that would break up the monotony of this season. So far, I point that out on bills and beers that none of these games have been uh, entertaining at all this year. And that's just, just how it is. So hopefully they'll improve. But I think the, the Titans are not as good as their record. I do not think they will finish 12-4 and four with a 750 winning percentage, like the 750 winning percentage they have now. I think the Bills match up to them much, much better than they match up to Green Bay. I think this mm -hmm. game is at home, and I think all those things bode well for Buffalo. However, they do tend to struggle with mobile quarterbacks on defense. That could be a problem. Uh, and you've got Mariota back there. 
And that's, you know, that can be an issue. The, the Titans went to the playoffs last year, have, I think, an underrated amount of young talent, really, on both sides of the ball. So with that in mind, I'm going to say it's going to be close, but I will pick the Titans in this one, and I will pick them. I think the Bills play better offensively, and I'll say 23-20 to 20 Tennessee. Bills cover. Okay. Yeah. I've seen the Bills as much as five-point underdogs. Uh, I think that that's probably shifted back a bit. Um, the, 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 the Titans don't do anything particularly well. Um, Though they did just beat the Eagles this past week. I feel we have to give them credit for being yeah, in the Yeah, okay, and the Bills beat the Vikings. Vikings, yeah, fair point. So, the NFC right. championship opponents have been vanquished by the Bills. Right, by one in two weeks. football teams. Or, yes. I mean, Tennessee's – no, Tennessee's Three and one. one. Sorry, my bad. My bad. Um, yeah, I mean – Marcus Mariota, 547 passing yards. Derrick Henry, 163. I think a lot of this game will depend on the health of LaShawn McCoy and his ability to actually get involved in the game plan. I expect them to actually um, probably have a better offensive day, and I expect them to have a better defensive day. I'm I'm looking forward to what will probably be the the first close football game of the year for the Bills. I feel like the second half of this football game might be consequential and so that's going to be awesome um but i think the bills are going to i think the bills are going to win i think the bills are going to win um probably 23 to 20 this this is a home game uh that like you know with, with a close competition i think i think paul's right i think they're not um their record belies their their talent and so i think that this they'll take advantage at home they'll defend their dirt they'll feel embarrassed after the green bay game and it'll they'll They'll get themselves together here. So I'm going to pick 23-20 Bills. Okay. I will say the Bills I'll lose, and I'll be a bit of a of an outlier or a pessimist. I don't think that this game, I could see this game getting out of hand. I think Tennessee's playing well right now. They're a little bit locked in. Um, they're The Bills, again, kind of... There's just nobody, nobody's healthy on the, the team right now. I mean, Micah Hyde's going to be injured. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's the, the, you know, McCoy could be healthier, but who's going to block for him? Like, there's nobody who can even yeah. do that. Like, we got, we're pulling guys from the crowd to play defensive back. I mean, it's just, there's not enough stuff on this team left to make a four quarter game kind of manageable. It just, yeah, it's just not there. Um, I mean, again, like, I, I can't rule it out. Obviously, you know, stranger things have happened, which is us going into Minnesota and beating them. Um, that obviously it's clear that the Minnesota defense is maybe not what we cracked up, what it was cracked up to be going into the season based on that Thursday night game last week. But the at the same time, um, I, I don't think I can give the, the Bills a, a chance. of. I, I think they have a chance of sticking around in this game. I don't think they're going to win. I think the Bills are going to lose. I'm going to say they're going to lose 20 to 10. I think the defense does a little better job at keeping them in. The offense makes it a little closer, but I don't think that the... So, yeah, so maybe it's still a game in the second half, but I don't think that the Bills are going to be within striking distance when it really gets down to it. So, um, so with that, any final thoughts from you, gentlemen? So, let me ask you guys, if they're 3-5 and five or 2-6 and six after these next four games, what do you think changes on the team if anything do you think that they they change i mean i i guess quarterback is locked in right like the, we're, right. this is the figure out josh allen year right do oh that's something i was gonna mention it's funny as bad as allen played sunday and i'm on twitter all day i did not see any single person be like ah they should put allen on the bench bring peterman in there I can't recall the last time in a Bills quarterback situation where someone didn't say, like, we should give X person a shot. Literally no one on Twitter said anything along those lines that I saw. Interesting. Yes, that is interesting. I think I think that speaks to the backup quarterback is finally not the most popular guy in town in Buffalo. Right. Um, I mean, it's interesting. You know, I think the next two weeks are key, obviously, because then the headline is, is week six, right, usually? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the deadline. I see. I always thought the trade down was around Halloween, but it might be earlier. And I see their last game before Halloween is the Patriots game. I'm yeah, so NFL trade deadline. Yeah, it is. 
to the Tuesday following the eighth week, formerly six of okay. the regular season. Okay, so it is Halloween, so it'll be okay. Quite literally, it'll be, it'll be right. It'll be. Uh, it'll be. Uh, so I guess the questions might be, you know, will Lashawn McCoy be on the team? Will uh, who yeah. else is going? Calvin away? Benjamin, if he Calvin has any Benjamin. value left, yeah. Right, or if McCoy has any value left. I mean, you I mean he? It's not like he's shown anything this year. Uh, I mean, agreed. I think those are both. I think McCoy might have a little value. People, obviously, he has not gotten a great deal of work. So in that no. sense, he's he's probably in a position to say, hey, no one's doing. Give me the, give the me rock. a shot here. Yeah, exactly. And and Benjamin will attempt to make that case, but then people will be like, well, you keep dropping all these passes. Right, you keep getting hit right in the fucking hands. That's kind of, it's kind of on you. Another guy, by the way, who went back in last week, but probably shouldn't have based on that hit. Yeah. That was yeah. a that was a garbage hit too. I was not a fan of that hit. But. That was so tough too. In Buffalo Rumblings, I saw post an article about that I didn't read, but it's <laughs> it's also hard to fall. I don't want to say it's hard to fault Ha Ha Clinton Dix because he's Ha Ha Clinton Dix, but he did go for the ball and catch the ball for an interception. He had no. I don't know if he necessarily had intent to hit Benjamin, but it's also hard for me to ever think anything good about Ha Ha Clinton Dix. So there's my balance. Uh, agreed. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the Bills. I mean, I think the the the, the Frank. Who I, by the way, call them LOL Bush Bushes to my to my friends. Sad the, feeling. The 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 best way I can put this is the Bills have already gone into tank mode, and that was before the season started. So the I don't know that there's much that needs to be done at the trade lot deadline to put this team further into tank mode. So other than I guess like just put like the frosting on the tank cake. <laughs> Exactly. Um, if you have a tank cake that you have a picture of and you'd like to send it to us, um, please send it to us on Twitter. Yes, at BBillsMNY. Yep, I'll be ready for it. I will post your tank photos as long as there's cake. Hey, Scott, are you there? Oh, man. Scott's connection. And he oh. did such a. Oh, there, there you go. You're back. back. Yeah. You okay. had done so well. You were and okay, go ahead. No, so uh anyway, and Facebook.com slash B Bills M and Y. Uh you can find us there, put your tank pictures there. I think mm -hmm. feel like um, you know, we haven't really done the uh name of the podcast point of the season, but we're we're getting there. We're getting very close. I think there's a good chance it's gonna happen early this year. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we're gonna make we get this year. So um if you yeah and then if you also want to email us you can email us at peoplesmny at gmail.com um otherwise um we don't care what you think because you know if you don't let us know what you think then by definition we don't care wait no that's not really true at all maybe frank and paul care i certainly don't care <laughs> anyway um that's a dumb way to end a podcast it's not the dumbest way to end a podcast though so you're in good shape <laughs> all, right. all the time Thank you. Okay. And with that, um, how do we end the podcast? Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We really appreciate it. Uh, we will be around next week after the uh, Bills play the Titans. And until then, my, my name, name is... is... No, no. I have to repeat all that now, though, don't I? That's the end of the podcast. However you, you, however you like, please. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next week after what's sure to be a riveting Bills-Titans game on Sunday. Um, my name is Scott. Yes. I'm Frank. And I am Anakin Skywalker. Damn it, I'm Paul. And then I say goodnight, everybody, and then the podcast ends. Yep, goodnight, everyone. The podcast ends. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>